Unemployment is not a complicated idea, and in fact, up until society became modernized, we had full employment. If one thinks about employment, it is impossible to figure out a good reason to produce unemployment or why we would have unemployment. It's important to understand why there are people who think it benefits a nation or a community to have people unemployed. When such an idea or situation goes against common sense, if an idea or belief exists that to normal people does not make sense, it at least ought to be looked at in a very careful way. If we were stranded on an isolated island with a dozen or so other people, everyone would be required to do something. Indeed, everyone would want to do something, because that's the nature of people. If you were in charge, would you decide the most rational thing to do is to have a few members prevented from working? Because of the corruption of our civilization, many people have come to think of charity as akin to pity. This is made worse by TV and print ads showing sad faces rarely clean as if poor people do not wash enough, of poor people who need a handout. Charity is not a handout. Charity is compassion that requires one to reach out and do what needs to be done to help someone else, another human being. Pity is more about what a virtuous person one is than about fulfilling the needs of someone who has fallen on hard times. If a person loses their home, they need a home. Effusive expressions of sympathy are far less important than a roof over one's head. Full employment does not take any explaining. If we encountered a tribe where everyone worked, no one would write a thesis explaining why or how it happened. In this place, everyone contributes something to the wealth of the community. What needs to be explained, and would be given attention by researchers, is how a dozen people, stranded on an island, decided able-bodied people would not be given any work to do, though supported by the rest. Things that don't make sense require far more research and many more words of explanation than what is logical. We have become accustomed to unemployment. We are observers to the sight of governments trying to decrease the number of unemployed, knowing that at some point inflation will become so high that companies will have to go bankrupt just to get fewer people working. Seriously, how more insane can things get before people wake up to the fact that something is broken in the economy? What are we trying to do? that it takes destroying people's lives to achieve our economic goals. At this moment in time, the COVID-19 virus has shut down international trade and travel. Businesses are worried about their supply chains. Items such as soaps and medications may be in short supply because of a disease that is primarily infecting China. Consequently, Businesses cannot sell to their customers and so will have to lay off workers. This gives us some insight into the problem. We work to get money to purchase goods and services. Our work creates goods and services to be purchased. Work is nothing more than the delayed way to get the goods and services we want. In a sane environment or society, 
Fred and Bill would help one another because sharing labor is the most rational thing humans can do. It is rational because each person does what they do better than the other, or together what neither can do well alone. The more persons one adds to the community, the more specialization there is or can be. More and more people learn to do one small part of the total work that needs to be done, and the community supports them because a one specialized person can do far more than one person doing all of the work himself. This is all there is to an economy in a logical sense. An economy is people working together to produce the most goods and services in the most efficient way possible. The problems we have arose when machines were developed and the community did not have the expertise to create the machines in the way barn raising is done. The expertise of creating this, these machines was locked up in one man's head and he exploited his power by forcing others to work for him or be unemployed. The capitalist is a person with specialized knowledge that he uses to leverage into economic power. But now people do not produce goods and services to create economic activity. They create goods and services to earn a wage. This is an important distinction. The worker works for a capitalist for a wage. The capitalist hires the worker to produce a product, that is, an item that can be sold for a profit. The dynamic has changed. When the capitalist can no longer sell what the worker produces, he or she is let go. The worker will remain unemployed until such time as the capitalist thinks that the labor of the worker will produce a product or service that can be sold for a profit. Let's think this through. If I want something, I ought to get it directly from the person or group best able to supply this directly. In return, I ought to be prepared to do my best to supply something in the best possible way I can for those who want that. This is just cooperation. However, during this process, a third party has inserted himself. Now I go through what amounts to a broker who checks my credentials to see if I'm entitled to anything. By this, I mean this broker capitalist sees if I have the money or credit that will cover the purchase I want to make. This may seem natural to us because of familiarity, but it is not necessarily how things work in a real community. When friends and family are in need, we do not check their credit rating. We do it out of charity. We know when the time comes they will help those who need help whether this is us or someone else. That is how friends and family and tribes and communities work, or are supposed to work. They no longer work this way because we do not help our friends and neighbors because of charity, but because we are paid by capitalists who service people's needs for a fee. This fee includes a profit that goes to the broker who has inserted himself into the economy. The need for products and services may be there, as it is in poor areas, but if the broker cannot be recompensed, he will not permit these needs to be serviced. Herein lays the problem. You have no job. Your neighbor has no job. You have things that need doing, and he has things that need doing. And you can do what he needs, and he can do what you need, but because there is no broker, I capitalist, who can profit from this potential exchange, neither you 
nor he gets what they need, and you both remain unemployed. You can ask, why do you not both just exchange your services one for the other? The reason comes down to lack of trust, and a lack of trust means charity is missing. We need a guarantor who will broker this exchange. We, as a community, need to replace the capitalist and to a large extent the politician. These roles only exist to allay risk and to engender trust. The capitalist excuses the profits he earns by his absorbing the risk of investing in the needed capital. In historic terms, much production was produced by cottage industry. Capitalists created central production facilities that make the process of production more efficient and over time introduced many types of specialized pieces of equipment that could only be used within a large production facility. The community did not see a path to absorbing this risk themselves. This is a problem with many craftspeople. They enjoy the process of creation and resist the process of specialization. The capitalists forced this onto the craftspersons by creating centralized production facilities that tap into the power of specialization to a greater extent. The more specialized the process, the more economically efficient it is. Populists must use the power of populism to ratchet up the process of specialization to a level neither capitalist nor socialist can match. To do this, the community itself must absorb all risk and do this within a populist framework. Dexterian communities do this by creating a populist business model owned by the people for the people called an exchange. All risk in starting a business, collecting capital or acquiring equipment is absorbed by the exchange. This is what happens regardless, only it is not done honestly by capitalism. The capitalist is always part of a community and if he will not or cannot actually absorb the risk that exists when a business goes under, it is the tax-paying public that foots the bill. The community is always the real risk management agent. In capitalist economies, the capitalist collects together the assets needed to start a business. He exposes himself to the risk of losing his investment. Most people cannot or will not expose themselves to this threat of loss. The exchange model, however, absorbs all the potential risks and threat of loss and does this in a way that is more honest and efficient than in the capitalist model. What we seek to be is logical. By this we mean a process that makes sense economically is introduced. Logic has an economic component because if something makes sense it will produce results that have value to us and value can always be given an economic correlate. Capitalism has proved effective by tapping into a very basic impulse, namely human greed. Greed is so overwhelming for some persons that they will absorb risk just for the chance to make large sums of money. However, if this was truly a logical way to produce economic development, it would not likely produce such an anomaly as unemployment. This is a pronounced form of waste. By tapping into an even more basic and more pervasive and motivational impulse, 
Logical populism will easily generate more sophisticated specialization levels with less waste and expense. This, of course, produces less risk. The less waste, the less risk. Exchanges absorb risk into the community itself through the agency of the exchange. The exchange is a risk-absorbing social tool. By successfully absorbing more risk more completely, exchanges can free up entrepreneurs from all levels and walks of life. Exchanges increase businesses' start-up because they enhance everyone's ability to specialize. Imagine everyone being able to innovate freely without risk or threat of loss. Because the exchange absorbs and contains risks within itself, setting up an exchange is itself a risk-free exercise. Risk is a threat of loss created by the exposure of assets to expropriation. This situation seems natural to us, but it requires a specific set of circumstances to exist. The first precondition for risk to exist is that we have to be in a position of ownership. This is not just possession. It is possession that is supposedly exclusive. Force can be used to deprive one of this ownership. But the bigger issue is when the force is used is legal force. The existence of a power disparity is a second precondition. This power disparity may be physical or legal. However, a third precondition is that which is owned is exposed to a liability. The ownership is not actually absolute. In most countries, one's ownership is always conditional. Thus, one's possessions are always exposed to some degree of risk and a threat of loss, either by the government or by agents to whom one owes a debt. Our personal possessions are less exposed to these kinds of risk than commercial assets. It is commercial assets that we will be considering here. In setting up a business, the entrepreneur often has to put even his personal possessions at risk. The lender holds a lien on one's personal property, which means your position of owner is put in jeopardy because you no longer really own what you have. It is owned contingent upon you meeting certain specific obligations as regard your debt. Setting up an exchange does not put your personal or commercial property at risk. There is no threat of loss that comes with setting up an exchange. All it takes to set up an exchange is a few persons. The initial number is not important. The exchange can be incorporated as a not-for-profit charitable organization for a greater security if wished, but this step is optional. The exchange is a legal person or third party that represents the charitable institution. The exchange must be given a charitable designation and mission. It can be as mundane as helping women with the housework. This is also a program to pay women for doing housework. For this scenario, we will posit five women who have created a housework exchange to help manage housework. Each woman donates what asset she has that will help capitalize the exchange. Capitalizing the exchange is the process by which the exchange is equipped with the tools and equipment and supplies it will need to operate. Each client is a member and holds a voting share or common share. Each donation to the capitalization process is compensated for 
with an issue of preferred shares. Preferred shares are vouchers that represent equity or value. Everything provided the exchange increases the equity of the exchange and is paid for by an issue of preferred shares. Sally provides $500 worth of assets to the charitable institution in setting up the housework exchange and so receives 500 preferred shares at par with the domestic currency. When someone needs housework done, they hire someone through the exchange and the work is paid for by the exchange. Think of a community that puts all of its commercial assets into a trust account represented by the exchange. Each contribution is compensated for by credits backed up and drawn on the exchange. Anyone who contributes assets of any kind receives credits. These credits or preferred shares are as good as cash in the exchange. Any commercial activity that was available to people before the exchange was set up is available to the community members who use preferred shares as a currency to purchase any goods or services they need. All work done before continues to be done, but payment is in preferred shares. The question that we now can ask is why would anyone be unemployed? He or she will be buying goods and services using credits drawn on the exchange. They will be drawing down their credit account. So, as a member of the exchange, would you not access their specialization, their ability to create value? If so, you have given this person work. You have just provided a job to someone who was heretofore unemployed. This is how a community ought to work. It is how communities can work and used to work if we create exchanges to allow us to live charitably.